0: Welcome to the Voices of LTCI, presented by the Helper Bees. This is a podcast about the industry that's shaping the way millions of older adults are aging, focusing on stories from those who got us here and those who are carrying us forward.
1: These are the Voices of LTCI.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Shar Hugh. I'm CEO of the Helper Bees and your host of Voices of Long-Term Care Insurance, uh, today, we have Steve Surface with us today. I'm very excited for him uh, to be here. We're going to hit on a whole tremendous array of different things. Uh, but first, Steve is partner at Fagery, uh, is a law firm uh, where he oversees uh, 75 attorneys alongside Nolan and Sandy. What's really interesting is that he founded the Long-Term Care Insurance Practice, so we're going to dive deep into that. Uh, he's got a long history in our industry, and he's really, him and his group specifically, are pushing our industry forward in many, many different ways. So, Steve, thank you for being in person in our HQ. My joy. really appreciate the opportunity to be with you, Char. First question always is a simple one.
1: How did you get your start in long-term care insurance? Yeah. So, um, I can't say I grew up dreaming of becoming a long-term care insurance lawyer, right? I dreamed of becoming center fielder for the Phillies, but when it became apparent that wasn't going to happen, um, moved into long-term care. So as a young lawyer in 2000, the law firm I was with was working with a bunch of different insurers. One of them had a long-term care block. And one day it sent a coverage analysis assignment to one of the partners with whom I was working. And as the youngest lawyer on the team, he kind of tossed the (laughs) assignment to me and said, here, Steve, you figure it out. So, I figured it out and it was interesting. And I went back to the client with the uh, coverage analysis. Then they sent us another one, and then they sent us another one. And that's how it began. So, in the year 2000, start doing coverage analysis work, and then that leads to um, a little bit of litigation. And so, I'm doing that work, and this goes on for a couple of years. And then I got hired by another long-term care insurer to do something completely different, to do regulatory compliance work. And so now I'm doing that work and I'm doing the coverage and litigation. And after a little time goes by, I look around and I'm like, well, what really is going on with this product? Like, what's the community like? What is, who's writing it and, and what are the opportunities? Cause now I, I feel like I know a little bit about the product. So I go to the LTCEF, the long-term care educational foundation conference. And there are hundreds of people there and the sessions are really interesting and two things become apparent. One is there's not much litigation in this space yet, but there's plenty of um, need for legal services. And then second, there are no other lawyers at this conference, which is like unheard of. You go to an insurance conference and it's mostly sharks swimming around. Right. And so I came back from the conference and I said to my boss, Aging society, product that serves the aged, not a lot of litigation yet, no competition, important product, like, let's go. And he said, okay, kid, go ahead, (laughs) have fun. Like, I'm happy to support you. So then I go to the ILTCI conference, which then was called the SOA, right? Society of Actuaries. And I go to the conference. I don't know anyone, go to the sessions. But at the end of the conference on Wednesday, Jim Glickman has a meeting. And the meeting, he says, is open to anybody who wants to get involved in helping to plan next year's conference. So I go. And around the room seems like everybody there has been friends since kindergarten, (laughs) except me, right? I'm there, I'm the new kid, like I don't know anybody. I'm just kind of sitting there like, hi. And Jim says, okay, next year we're gonna have tracks for the first time, networking tracks, he calls them. We're gonna have actuarial and management claims, compliance, blah, 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 all these. And he says, so I need volunteers. We're going to have each track. will have a handful of sessions and need volunteers to say, yeah, I'll put together the sessions for that track. So, you know, claims, somebody actuarial, probably Vince, you know, management. And, and then he gets to compliance and no one raises their hand. So I raise my hand. And Glickman, you know, he's, he has no idea who I am and he's like looking around like somebody else. <laughs> Please raise your hand. Nobody raises their hand. So finally, he's like, all right, who are you? And he says, okay, you can do it. So I have this moment of like, yes, now I'm going to get into the community. This is great. And then as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, but wait, I don't know any. Like, how am I going to do this? Oh, no. And so it goes from like elation to panic. And then the miracle happens. So the meeting ends and they're all talking. And I'm sitting there kind of like a stone going, why did I just get my into? And all of a sudden there's a hand in my face. And this woman, hi, I'm Karen Smith. Hi, I'm Karen Smith. Karen. <laughs> <It's laughs> And I'm from Prudential, uh, you know, I'm Steve. And she says, you look like you could use some help. <laughs> and boy, could I. So then Karen introduces me to everybody in the space. And that's how it really took off. That's great. Karen's,
0: Karen has been a guest on the podcast. She's a spouse. I think almost every person we've had has a spouse that, that connectedness within the community. Yeah. We have a, a, a little bit of a dissimilar story where, our first, you know, ILTCI, our industry conference, has grown significantly. We didn't even know it existed. Registered late, couldn't get an exhibition booth, and so had to rent a room close to the conference, but not really in. Might have teed off a little bit of the, the uh, organizers because we were just this rogue group. But we we had registered so late, but fast forward to to now where we are, um, it, it's surreal. It's a great story. We, I know we have a lot of other like startups and vendors and providers out there who listen to this. Can you dive in a little bit more? What's fascinating is taking something from zero to one. So you were part of a well-known firm, but you probably had to create a business case. You had to build a team to where it's at now. Yeah, Has it always just been up and to the right as we talk about it in the startup world? Um, it was great that you had a community. You fell into it, but I'd imagine yeah. business development, earning your, your, your
1: chops in general was a challenge. It really was, and uh, the boss I talked about, who was like, "Yeah, go ahead, kid, go and claim that sandbox if you want." He was very supportive as I was a young associate, you know, eventually senior associate, and then junior partner in the firm. But it took at least ten years to get the business to the point where it was meaningful in the eyes of the law firm, right? And so that's a long time, a long time. and. Soon after Karen introduced me, the work started coming in dribs and drabs, but there was a long period of time between dribs and drabs and meaningful business. And fortunately, I was part of a firm that was very patient and that believed me when I said, this really will come. Like This is is a product that needs good lawyers, where there's going to be a, a meaningful need for legal work, whether you're talking about compliance or litigation or transactions or what have you, product development. And so... Fortunate to be part of a firm that was patient and supported with dollars and time, me investing in it. And then as the work started to come in from different sources, that's when we were able to really build a team. How did you, this is
0: more of a personal question, how did you maintain personal conviction? I mean, we're an early stage company. I believe in what we're doing, but the market might not reflect that right away. We have a tremendous amount of patience. We play the long game. I say that all the time. But... How did you maintain that personal conviction? Because that's challenging late at night when the deals aren't coming in, when the revenue doesn't justify the team yeah. or the investment. You put your name out there in front of your boss or your stakeholders right. and
1: investors. Um, how did you have anything that helped you maintain that conviction? Well, um, I had a firm conviction that this was a place that would really pay off over the long haul, where we could really add value for the community, and that mattered. Uh, there was a point, maybe 2008 or nine, where You know, my, my boss now at that point, my partner sat me down he was like, so you've been at this for a while, kid. Mm -hmm. And do you really think you should keep pouring yourself out in this space? Because, you know, at that point I was still also doing life insurance work and some environmental Mm -hmm. insurance. So it wasn't like this was the only place I was investing. And he was questioning, should you keep going? Like, is this really a good investment time? And. Um, that was a really helpful conversation to have because it forced me to ask the question you're asking, like, are you going to stay in this? And if so, why? And all I did was look around again and look at the relationships we had, look at the trajectory of the product in terms of the legal needs facing the community. And um, whether it was determination or just good fortune, (laughs) I'm glad we stuck around. A little bit of both, probably. I
0: mean, I think that's a lesson for everybody listening. I mean, you figure is just at the center of almost every innovation in our industry now uh, your name Nolan and Stanley's name is always there and i think that's a testament a lot of people don't realize 10 years of hard work grinding it out taking it from zero to one and so uh, yeah. that the whole uh, myth of the overnight success is it's is just that it's a myth it takes good fortune and
1: determination yeah. it was not overnight for us that's for sure no. yeah
0: well given that so from 2000 till now Talk a little bit about the evolution of the industry, specifically around any milestones that you think are noteworthy for those who are newer to, to uh, long-term care insurance.
1: Yeah, um, I've thought about that. And there are a couple of sort of bookend events in my mind, both tied back to the ILTCI conference. Okay, right. It seems like everything yeah, circles around that, right? Um, so in 2007, uh, at the ILTCI in Dallas, that Monday, there was a news article in the New York Times that came out that was really hard on long-term care insurance. And you know, to that point, in early '07, you had had going up to '03 or '04 when you had a million sales yeah. in one year. You know, things had been climbing for so long, and then starting right around that time is when the products started to be really challenged. Right? People start talking about or getting out of the business carriers have more and more rate increases, you have regulatory scrutiny, you have a couple of bad outcomes in long-term care insurance class actions at that point. And then the news article in the New York Times, right? Of all like, whoa. And you could feel that send shock waves through the community. And turns out that was a harbinger of what was to come, right? That we were headed into a really hard period of time for the product. So that's one. Then the second one is 2017 at the ILTCI, so 10 years later, in Jacksonville this time. After the conference on that Wednesday in the afternoon, Nolan and Mike Rafalco and I were invited to participate in a meeting that Peter Goldstein and Vince and some others had put together on the subject of bringing managed care concepts, bringing wellness to the long-term care insurance community. And so we, we were fortunate to be part of this meeting, and they brought in a guy named Ted Prospect from United Health. And Ted was there to talk about how what he had learned and seen in the major medical context with respect to managed care could potentially be translated into long-term care insurance. And it was really, really interesting for us to be part of that. And that was our introduction to this idea of wellness in LTC. We left that meeting, the three of us, and we were like, whoa, like you could tell. Again, this was like a a shaking moment, right? A jarring in a really positive way this time moment. Um, for us. And we fought for the community. And now, you know, here we are six years later, and you think about all that has happened in this community through the wellness initiatives, aging in place, whatever you want to call it. And to me, this is the thing that is starting to, I don't know if "unwinds" the right term, but to, to reverse the course for the product, right? Now there's starting to be a more public, a more positive public perception of the product. Why? Because carriers are now going out there, whether it's in pilot programs or otherwise, and saying policyholders, hey, we want to help you stay where you are, age better, age healthier. Yeah. And uh, over time, I believe that will continue to have a really positive impact for yeah. our society and for the product.
0: It's fascinating. I had no idea that, that that occurred in 2017. I think that was before our time. But what, what do you attest to? Those conversations are still so ongoing, as you alluded to. And yeah. I want to talk about the Wellness Consortium. But going back to the United Healthcare comment, do you think there is still to this day a lot we can learn from Major Medical from what Healthcare, Medicare Advantage, and Medicare just globally
1: is doing? Definitely. And um, we've started to have some conversations with folks in the MA space. And um, I think there is a ton for us to learn from them. And what we've started to see is that there may be some things for them to learn for the long-term care insurance community, which is encouraging. Um, So yeah, I think in the major medical context in particular, they've been living out managed care concepts for a long time. And we just, we, the long-term care insurance community, just have one toe in the water at this point, right? Yeah
0: excuse me, to the wellness consortium. So you had a founding role in that. I think it brings together quite a few different carriers who are thinking about wellness or aging in place. The idea, I believe, as it's been explained to me, is to bring everyone together, exchange ideas, talk about what's working, what's not working. Again, you guys are one of the central coalescing forces. What are some of the the wins coming out of that that
1: you can share?
0: Or what are some of the learnings that that get discussed in order to continue to make progress? Yeah,
1: um, thanks for asking that. So... We don't really deserve any credit for the co- the consortium coming together. Vince Bodner, Tim Nealon, these are the folks who who really brought this group together initially. And it's really been exciting to see the community come together in a fully antitrust compliant <laughs> way and um, share learnings and figure out okay, how can we as a community understand which of these um, approaches is effective, how to have the best level of engagement with our policyholders and how to really push things forward in terms of having positive outcomes for policyholders. And so um, the consortium so far has been a lot about sharing learnings and talking about, okay, what has worked and what hasn't worked and how do we take what's been done so far and look into the future. Again, in an antitrust component totally. way. I have to say that as a yeah. lawyer, right?
0: Have you taken away, I mean, you mentioned this this pilot, and I think Tim Nealon has talked about this, at least to me. Personally, this concern that we get stuck in pilot purgatory, or you start pilots and the effect is not as great as we would expect. Maybe not negative, but you know, this is a huge problem, and it just chips away at it. Do you fear any of that happening, or we're going to start 12 different things a year or two from now, maybe one or two do all right. Are we going to take a step back and the powers that be say, no, this whole wellness thing, even though you've had 30 years of success in the healthcare world, probably not for us in the long-term care insurance world.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not nearly the expert on that set of questions as Tim and John Sieb and some others are, but my perception from where I sit in the stands, the perspective we have as outside counsel is that, yeah, there's risk of that, but it seems like momentum is building um, right now. and, I think because of what John and Red are doing at Pru, and because of what you see happening with Doug and Dom at CNA and other companies that are really committed to doing this, I hope that the business leaders of those companies are going to play yeah. the long game and stick with it. But yeah, I think there's some risk that it, it could peter out. Yeah. Um, and you know, this this community has had a tendency to think and to have ideas. And not to always back those ideas up with action. And one of the driving principles, again, thanks to people like Vince and Tim and others, is that the consortium is going to be about action, healthy action, driving things forward, not just talking. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's something I've, I've heard echoed consistently. We got to do something. Let's actually do something. Let's make sure we have the data behind it, and let's, yeah. let's if we have to, let's pull it together. Right. Um, so I'm going to take a little bit of left turn. We'll probably hit on wellness a little bit later, but I want to talk about you personally. Um, any great career advice that you've either given out or received that has been, you've used it as a guiding principle throughout your career?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's advice that I've received, but just through you know 25 plus years of being a lawyer in, in private practice, what I've learned, there, there are three key lessons for me. One is Um, surround yourself with people who are better than you. Two is um, hold it loosely, not tightly. And three is put others first. So nothing rocket science there. But first, um, I think if you have enough self-confidence that you can do the job and enough self-awareness to have some humility that you don't have everything figured out, you can't have all the skills and be willing to Bring people around you. Like when I look at the team we have at my firm with Nolan Tully and Sandy Jones and Steve Brookman and people like this, all of them smarter, more talented, better personalities, funnier than I am, which can be, you know, they when they pass you by quickly, it, it can be humbling. But it's also like that makes our team so much better. So that's number one. Number two, hold it loosely, right? And in, in professional services. You know when you're bringing in business there can be a temptation to clench what you've got and then to give everybody else the heisman but i i've come to believe firmly that it's much healthier to hold the business that you have that you've been entrusted with loosely and to invite others into the relationships right because then you're able to do more together than i can do individually and and it's also just i mean just think about the physical part right if i'm if i'm clenching this to my chest like it that's work whereas if i'm holding it loosely it's not you know, if you do this, you make yourself vulnerable. But um, what I've seen over time is that this is a lot healthier way to approach it. And then I, I think this is what you do, putting others first. That's key to having a healthy organization and I think healthy life. Right. And I think about you with the platform that you're talking about developing and how you're not saying, oh, it's restricted to these people or those people. But you're saying, hey, let's bring everybody together, right? That that's you To me, that's a yeah. combination of you holding things loosely and you putting others first and saying, hey, come on, be part of this. Yeah. And whether it's in your professional life or your personal life, I think it's just a, a healthier way to live. Yeah. So nothing to do with LTC specifically there, but all no, that applies, no, that, you know? That's exactly what we wanted to hear. So those are three great lessons, Steve.
0: I will say I have witnessed this firsthand. Uh, I would encourage any early stage company or large carrier to reach out. You guys have been... So helpful to us, like asking nothing in return. I remember it was more to just get insight back. I needed a perspective because I knew everybody had said, you got to talk to Steve, Uh, a quick aside. John Palmer did say you're the best dressed man in long-term care (laughs) insurance.
1: Not anymore. That hurt my heart a little bit, (laughs) uh, but. Nobody's uh, saying (laughs) that today, Sure, nobody. (laughs) I don't know, you look
0: great. Um, But you took the call, it was almost no notice. It was just like, hey, I got this question. I don't understand the dynamic here. You answered it. Not to knock attorneys, but sometimes you get a lot of asterisks next to advice, and it gets watered down, so it's not useful. You guys never do that. Um, your entire firm—we've—we've—we try not to abuse it, but we ask for help and just say, "What? What are you do? What are you seeing? How would you approach this situation?" And this whole give first mentality—we've been huge
1: recipients of it, so we
0: want to say thank you.
1: Yeah, it's our joy. I, I I mean what I say. I think it's it's not purely altruistic, right? Because hopefully it's partially altruistic, Mm -hmm. but it's also just smart business because what you're doing is you're investing in other people and that helps build relationships and trust. And then, you know, whether you ever need to hire us for something or whether you just have a positive impression, like what you just described, that was worth a million dollars of legal fees, right? Everybody? Hi. (laughs) Um, Seriously. And, you know, maybe someday someone's going to call you and say, Hey, do you know anybody who could help me with this yeah. legal issue. And you might say, Hey, call Steve, but even if you never do, yeah. I'm still going to live this way. And our team's still going to live this way because some number of people are going to need lawyers. Yeah. Thank God.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I, I should
0: stress that you definitely live that. I didn't know that was one of your personal core values. Your team does too. I've, I've had the pleasure of interacting with the, not only after hours at, at events, but I, in you know professional settings and they've been so gracious to share knowledge um, across the spectrum. So you had started out, you said in 2000, you had fairly narrow practice expanding. Let's get to sort of the entire industry and where you see it's heading. We, had, we talked about wellness, but your firm and your team specifically has talked about everything from digital invoicing, you know, fraud, waste, and abuse. Yeah. We've talked about innovation, electronic visit verification. I've chatted with you guys about virtual nursing assessments. I mean, the whole spectrum of it, where do you see it's
1: heading and what's particularly gets you excited? Well, it is that that wellness subject that is number one in my mind and I feel like is number one in the mind of the community at large based on the the part of the community that I interact with on a day-to-day basis. There's so much else, though. I think if if we think about AI and what that's going to mean for this space, I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface. And I think that's the next big thing um, that I expect the consortium is going to be looking at is data science and AI and how does that translate into this space What does that mean and where are we headed? I don't know, but we're headed in that direction, right? And between that and the wellness effort, as long as your concern that you asked me about doesn't come to fruition, in other words, as long as the business leaders in this space, they committed to riding out these wellness programs, not just pilot programs, but actual full-scale programs, I think we're gonna see a different tenor, a different attitude in the general public with respect to this product over time. And that, if I'm right, that will translate to uh, more product sales. Now maybe, maybe standalone sales will never go back to anywhere near where they were, but when you layer that on with the combination, the hybrid products, I, I just think we're in a better day, and I think we're gonna to continue to climb as a community. We'll see.
0: Yeah, so would you characterize that you, somebody asked this at your summit where you characterize it as fairly optimistic about the future. And that's big. I mean, that's product sales, claims volume, yeah. dot, dot, dot.
1: Was your general, what is
0: Steve's general
1: sort of vibe on it? So I'm optimistic by nature. First of mm-hmm. all, you got to take, so that colors um, what I say. But when I look around the community and the things we've talked about, and then you think about who's gotten into this space, right? For years and years, it was all about who was getting out of long-term care. I mean, you look at you and companies like yours that are coming into this space that see something here that can add value here you think about wilton Ree, you think about mike and mg capital companies that have invested heavily in long-term care insurance blocks why i'm sure that partially it's the investment piece but it's more than that like these are companies that are saying we want to get involved in long-term care insurance i think we will see more companies like that get involved and maybe even start writing new business I and mean, you have Um, you have at least one carrier that's that's dipping their toe in that water now and uh, hopefully there'll be more to come so I'm I'm definitely optimistic about the product when you threw in claims like I'm under no illusion you know claims volume is going to continue to rise and as it does it's um, it's inevitable that there will be issues uh, because does the community have the number of seasoned claims professionals that we need to have in order to handle all this volume. No, so I think companies are working towards getting there, but that that curve is going to continue growing, um, and that's going to cause some opportunities.
0: Yeah, we've been big believers, and we've always wanted to do. We didn't call it wellness, but more of a like post acute population health perspective to long term care insurance. Got into digitizing claims. Now you see, well, this is being such a huge hot topic. It's going to dominate most of the airways, but the claims volume, everything being on paper, you can't run an AI on paper. This is just no way it's going to be done. And so it's interesting to see how the industry is going to be able to hold these two very important concepts, not separately. I actually think they need to be combined in order to really see this for the output that we expect. I think you're right. So last question you had mentioned, this is a bonus round. Uh, you had mentioned, you expect, especially with AI, a lot of new companies coming into town. Uh, coming into our industry, rather, um, any words of wisdom for them? I mean, I think you had your core values, which I think is, are great to live by, but have you seen great providers enter the space, probably seen best practices and, and maybe not the best practices? Any any parting advice for
1: those individuals or hmm. companies? Well, I think do your homework on the front end, right? If you're going to come in and acquire or reinsure a uh, uh, closed block, there's a lot you can do to understand the, the risk and opportunity associated with that business. And then if you're getting into to write new business, I think there's so much opportunity. You think about um, some of the products that are being developed now that include wellness components right there in the yeah. product, right? I think those things are really interesting. To me, again, a lot of success in the business world has to do with uh, preparedness and yeah. doing your homework. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. But I'm just a lawyer, right? So.
0: No, you guys are more than that. I, I was going to give you guys a plug. Anybody entering the industry, I mean, should reach out to you guys because it's not well, – we have two other outside councils that we use for a variety of transactions, financing, et cetera. But you guys provide a lot of guidance at every stage. And I think anybody – I, don't, I didn't, definitely didn't think about reaching out to a firm when we first hit a, a new market or a new industry. Uh, but you guys are – your practice in particular is rare. So I would say if anybody's out there, definitely go – and just book a t- some time and just do a little bit of a, a thought leadership uh, brainstorming session. Love to do that. You know. Thank you, Shar. Well, that's our time, Steve. Really thank you for being on our podcast, but definitely more importantly, thanks for everything you've done for our industry and where you're taking it. I think Consortium seems like the absolute thing, the transformative thing that's going to move the needle on this globally, not just single providers at a time. So thank you. Yeah,
1: thank you. Great to be with you.